Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have Kay Smythe back. It's great news with Kay on a Monday. Kay, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. We were talking about this a minute ago, and there was a study or a survey done last week. You probably saw this. And Americans were asked about late-night television and asked if they missed it because of the writer's strike. To a person, nobody knew that they were running reruns in late-night television, and nobody knew that the writer's strike affected them at all. Is that, is that not mind-blowing? Now, Kay, you're a lot younger than I am. But growing up, if Johnny Carson wasn't on, we freaking knew. If Jay Leno wasn't on, we knew. If Letterman wasn't on, we knew. These Fallon and and uh, the other Jimmy Idiot over on ABC, and then you got the, the guy over on CBS, they weren't on. They had no news shows for like four or five months. Nobody freaking knew. Is that not crazy? I mean, it's because no one freaking cares. Like, right before, <laughs> just the thing, right? It's like right before COVID when I was living in Los Angeles, right. I enjoyed watching, like, who are the late night guys? Yeah, you've got, like, I never yeah, enjoyed the two watching Jimmy's. You've got Jimmy Fallon. You've got Jimmy, who's the Jimmy Kimmel? Kimmel and then you've also got, Right, and you've got the, the Stephen Colbert, Colbert, because there's oh, Colbert. So those think, are the three people, yeah. Well, there was them. Then there was also apparently a guy called Seth Myers, who's apparently another failed He's still on, but he's on, he's on CBS after... Um, okay. The Colbert guy, yeah. Yeah. And or, then, or, or he's on NBC, I'm not sure. And then I think there's John Oliver, who I used to watch because, hey, he's a Brit in America. Like, right. obviously, I'm going to understand that kind of humor. Right, and but then, he's cable. I was talking broadcast. But there was James Corden, who you would know from Britain, who I thought was very entertaining. It was smart because he also did a lot of crap on YouTube, like the, the carpool karaoke and stuff like that, which yeah. made a lot of sense because it was appointment television. But, Kay, please tell me, are people of your age and your generation not at all interested in late-night late night television? You could Because you could watch it anytime you want. Why stay up all night? Yeah, no, no one watches late night. Like, no one watches late night in our generation. I think it's mostly because, A, we don't, we understand that late night exclusively exists to promote entertainment projects that we've probably either already seen the trailer for, we already know that someone's trying to promote it because we've seen it on social media, or we just don't really care. Like, we are more worried about the fact that, like, if you want to buy a meal for a family of five, it's going to cost you eight, 15 times what it used to a year ago, or even if it's just for a family of two. Like, that's what we're sort of worried about at this moment in time. And, you know, to see... Stephen Colbert sort of get up there and do a freaking dance with a bunch of people dressed as like what? Did he, he was he the they guy? Were dressed as, they were dressed as syringes. Vaccines, right? They were they were dressed as syringes. Yeah, that's like, how stupid no, it is. No, like I don't hate myself enough to put myself through that, and I think a lot of young Americans feel the same way. I mean, I think we've talked about this before, like the rates of revivals and um, like these mass baptism events that are going yes. on at universities all over America. You are more likely right now, Joe, to find uh, an American student going to get baptized or taking part in a Christian revival event than you yeah. will find watching late night in America in 2023. So there is some good in the well, world. I, you know, there, there is, and I agree with you. Uh, you and Sam, my daughter Sam, are about the same age. And she and I were talking about this, and she said, Dad, why do they need 13 writers to do a one-hour late-night show? Because, like, I do three hours a day, and, you know, I, I barely write anything down ever. And I don't have a team of writers. Nobody writes anything that I say. So the fact that they needed 12 or 13 writers and the fact that they have to shut down if the writers go on strike, that's really telling. There isn't a whole lot of real entertainment anymore. Like, Johnny Carson would sit there and do really interesting interviews, and you hit on something I didn't even think about. That people would show up to promote their song, promote their movie, promote their TV show, promote their their tour. And you don't need that anymore. You've got one button, and I can see where Kiss is playing for the next two months. You know what I mean? So <laughs> w- 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 what about that angle where you need 13 writers to do an hour? 
I mean, that's just like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, don't get me wrong. I've got friends who, no, actually, I have one friend, not even a friend, this girl I know, who wrote a show and got like a huge show on television. And it is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. I was so disappointed because <laughs> she had so much potential. I was like, this is unwatchable. Um, but you hear about these writers rooms, right? Like I, I would understand for something like an SNL, you absolutely need a big writers room because you right. need as much weird stuff and as much pop culture knowledge as possible. And you're doing tons of sketch comedy. Yeah. Absolutely. But these yeah. guys walk out, do a monologue and sit down and interview people. Exactly. They, they like, why do you need 13 writers to write a monologue that literally right. everyone like fast forwards through or goes and makes a <laughs> cup of tea? While it's on, because guess what? We don't care what Jimmy Fallon has to say about right. anything. He doesn't live a real life like the rest of the people in America. Right. And right. Jimmy Fallon is just also, I've known for years that he was kind of a toxic scumbag. And that just came out um, in the media recently. So I think that's going to drive. Um, an They're talking about him getting fired. For those who don't know what Kay is referring to, I guess a lot of staff has been leaking out how horrible he is to work for. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he's, uh, his ratings are so bad. And they were really, really good when he took over the Tonight Show. They were like, whatever it is, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was, maybe even longer. But mm -hmm. something changed. Something happened. And a lot, it's not one person. It's a lot of his staff. And he's, I think he's already like publicly apologized or something. But, uh, he might not be lasting. And I thought he was the best of the crew. But, but again, uh, you don't remember Johnny Carson, do you? You can't. You can't probably, you, I don't think you were born. He's not a thing in the UK either. Right. So, so what, yeah. he used to do 90 minutes a night. And then he went to, to one hour a night for the Tonight Show. But his monologue, literally, you, you would never fast forward because it was funny as hell. He attacked both sides, never took a side. I mean, that was the way comedy used to be. These people somehow have been anointed to be the woke ones, mm -hmm. and that changed late night forever. And again, I'll say save for James Corden, who's a very good singer, good musician, and he would do the carpool karaoke with very famous singers. And that was really, really good. He got 60 million views over on YouTube just for doing that. He's very smart to monetize it in both places. But, I mean, he's quit now. He's, he's, I think he's gone back to England. So uh, at the end of the day, these people being off, Kay's in a crazy, nobody knew. Nobody knew I, that they weren't making shows. I mean, I think, like, I thought it was actually really funny. Um, <laughs> there's a few things that bother me, right? Like, I would love my new series or my new season of, like, The Rookie. I don't know right. if you've seen that. I'm a huge procedural I've seen fan. the commercials. Yeah. Nathan Fillion, right? Yes. So yeah. The Rookie is, hands down, one of the best procedurals ever, as is 911. Um, that's another really fun one. And there are also those sorts of shows where like, I see people that used to like live in my building or yeah. that I would like know from around LA and they get their first like, you know, speaking part or whatever right. on a big show. It's that kind of show. Um, but I, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV over the summer. And then my favorite show didn't actually get shut down. They got, uh, an exemption and that's the chosen. Really? So oh, wow. whereas we're going to have to wait probably over a year, the only big new show I can think of that's going to be coming out before the end of this year is Lawman Bass Reeves. That's going to be the next series from Taylor Sheridan who wrote and created Yellowstone, 1883, all those, Lioness, the one that was just on. Um, we've got that coming out in November. Um, couple of interesting documentaries coming out, but literally nothing like the chosen will probably be one of the first new series to come out in 2024. Did I, hear you, did I hear you right? Well, I, I, oh, sorry. No, I, I wanted to go back to something that you said. It's going to take a year for some yeah. of the shows that people are waiting for to come back. Yeah, they got to write it. Wow. Then they've got to do all of the like writing and pre-production. Then you've got to book the sets and you've got to get the location sorted. Then you've got to make sure that all of the actors are available. 
And I'm not sure, wow. but I'm pretty sure it's just the writer's strike that's being wrapped up, not the actor's strike, because they're two different movements. Well, didn't the actors join the writers? Isn't that the only reason they went out? I think because it's SAG, it's a different oh, okay. union to the WGA, I think. I could be wrong. I used to be in SAG-AFTRA. Uh, I was that cool. I, I used to be oh, in that. so cool. I, had, I, I, I didn't want to be, but I was a TV news anchor in New York State, and in New York you can't be on camera unless you're in this union. Never did anything for me. I just had to pay them dues or some crap. And it just it didn't make any sense to me. So that's interesting. It'll be it'll be a year. I want you give me thirty seconds on the chosen. I haven't seen it. Obviously you love the show. What is what is the chosen? It's uh it's a retelling or a dramatization, shall we say, of the life of Jesus Christ or the adulthood of Jesus Christ, I should say. Okay. Uh, while he was here on earth. Now, I when I was first told to watch The Chosen, that was basically all that I got in terms of a description. And my friend was like, watch the first like four or five episodes. You can sort of put it on in the background, um, but it gets really good. You'll really enjoy. What platform is it on? I cried like a baby the first episode and I was utterly hooked. So you can get it on Netflix. It's okay. on the Angel Studios app. You can get it on print. I think it's on about eight or nine different major streaming platforms. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's also the most translated Isn't that odd? Are, isn't show it, isn't ever. it normally exclusive to a platform? That's how good it is. So it's on that many platforms and nobody's arguing about it? That's kind no. of interesting. Like, honestly, it's it's crazy. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful like story. It really goes into the lives of the disciples in a way that you know, even the Bible doesn't even really explore in many ways. It's it's not as pious as I'm probably making it out to be. I would say it's actually super rock and roll. That's okay. like I'd say it's very rock and roll. Well, uh, we will check it out. I think yeah. listen, your recommendation on to make sure that I check it out. By the way, it's K Smythe. K A Y S M Y T H E. Go in and read everything she writes for the Daily Caller. Go and see her on Newsmax. And make sure you go and read this next story I'm gonna bring up because I, I read this and I watched it. A, you did a, mar- a marvelous job with it. But I don't understand why there would be any outcry whatsoever for McDonald's advertising in Japan to just sort of show families eating together or helping people out or just enjoying a burger. Which I don't, what did I miss? When did advertising turn into something where you had a virtue signal or else it's no good? Oh, because of the woke Twitter mob like, and all of the crazy Marxist activists. Yeah, so McDonald's in Japan released a bunch of ads for their sort of latest campaign, as you do as a business. And one of them was sort of talking about how when, you know, it's like the story of this young woman and how she was always told as a child that one day she'd be able to grow up and try a Big Mac. And it was just like this cute little like anime thing. It was so Another great. One... It was so great. Oh, it was beautiful. It was so quaint. And then the other one is just like a family getting together to eat McDonald's together. Um, And then you go and look at American advertising for McDonald's and it's just like, what was the example in the piece? Like black trans women keep getting murdered. So let's go get a burger. So let's (laughs) go get a, yeah, let's go get some freaking nuggies. Like like you you literally have to check off seven boxes now. Even to do a 30 second ad, and Japan said, Why don't we just depict the people that we want to eat them? Yeah. We want people to eat these burgers. Let's depict who that would be. Yeah, exactly. No, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Um, and it's so funny as well because, like, brands that engage in that kind of marketing historically don't do well. And so for McDonald's, like, okay, I'm going to sound like a complete diva right now. I don't actually eat McDonald's, it does not sit well with me. Um, and quite frankly, it's cheaper to go and buy food in the supermarket 
and be able to like make all of your own food at home than it is to go and buy McDonald's even the, these days. Well, there used to be a dollar menu, but that's gone. But you're that's right. That's gone. Yeah. That's out the window. I mean, McDonald's is not a cheap place to go and eat anymore. Like, it's just not. It's not even the most affordable option. Right. Um, <coughs> it's, I don't know. It's just embarrassing and also kind of nerve-wracking. Like, you think about the families who used to depend on not just, you know, affordable food, but fast affordable food who yes. aren't going to be able to do that anymore. And, you know, when companies do this kind of stuff, the only people that they're hurting are themselves. And they're also not making a difference to the causes that they're pushing. Right. You know? No, like no, well, all they're really, all they're really doing is they're, they're pushing their customer base away. Yeah. So, I mean, but what's interesting is it's the same company that in Japan knew it better just show family values and eating burgers, mm-hmm. while at the same time here, they're afraid to do that. Because if they do it, they're going to get twice the the lambasting that they just got because of Japan. I mean, why not just show people, I don't need you to count how many faces are brown or black or white or in between. That shouldn't matter. I don't need you to have a trans activist in every commercial. I don't need you to show me a gay couple kissing at the McDonald's. Oh, mm-hmm. Just go show me why I should buy a burger. Mm-hmm. That's what it used to be. And they just, they can't seem to wrap their brains around that, Kay. And I'm glad that you did that piece. Go check it out on the Daily Caller for sure. Give me something quick on Tropical Storm Ophelia. I guess the storm surge is way more than we ever thought it was or something. Oh, yeah. And it's getting, like, no news coverage. Like, it's insane. So we had it roll through Friday and Saturday. That was when we had the weather come in here in North Carolina. And, like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't get any warnings. Like, we we get weather warnings if there's going to be strong wind. Well, we do get straight-line winds through our property. But, right. you know, nothing. There was, like, oh, it's going to rain in a minute. Oh, it's not going to rain now. And then it's going to rain again. You know, those stupid notifications that come. No, 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 no. But, Kay, these people who send out the, stu- the stupid notifications that oftentimes are not right, mm-hmm. they know that, that global climate change is going to kill everybody. Just to oh, let you yeah. know, they know yeah, that's yeah. going to kill everybody, mm-hmm. but they can't tell you whether it's going to be straight line wind, a tornado, a rainstorm, a hailstorm, a snowstorm. Yeah. They don't know crap about what's going to happen tonight. No. But trust them that we're killing the earth by eating by eating cows. Go ahead. Well, you know what's crazy is actually like a lot of people from uh, NOAA and the NWS. I've written articles about the fact that they will do like linguistic gymnastics to avoid talking about climate change and stuff like that because <laughs> they're sensible scientists. Right, they actually and, know the science. They're literally looking at science and graphs and charts. Yeah, and like yeah. they know that they'll get canceled if they come out and say what the science actually shows, which is basically like, yeah, if you live somewhere that has extremes of weather, you're going to deal with extremes of weather. Right. But what I thought was crazy is like this morning I wake up and I'm like, firstly, I didn't even realize that this hurricane or tropical storm was I mean, I could see that it was coming over us. Obviously, I track the weather like it's going out of fashion. I'm not a mad person. But, like, (laughs) it just looked like a traditional weather system. Like, I didn't realize that it was reaching those sort of strengths of wind. Um, And then there was this huge storm surge that basically inundated half of the river systems, if not more, across North Carolina. So we did have huge flooding, like massive amounts of flooding. But... You know, who cares? Because it's North Carolina, and no one cares about anything that goes on here. Well, have you, you have you linked a bunch of videos on the story so where people oh. can see the storm surge? Yep, and there's even a whole separate story I think on just videos of what okay. happened because this thing went up the East Coast. Like this thing isn't done yet; it's going to keep going on for the rest of this week. So I, I pay pay attention to the news. We haven't seen that. I wonder mm-hmm. why. I mean, they they love all the all the crazy weather. You, you'd think this would be the lead story. Oh, yeah. No, it's it, what blows my mind is like every day I have to pitch out my stories. Right. And yeah. my editors are very diligent in the ones that they will 
pick and choose for the most part. I'm not saying anything. But when it comes to the weather stuff, I can pretty much guarantee that it's going to get published because people really care about it. Like it's one of the first things like crazy weather, not only when obviously no one has heard there's no destruction to property, like it's absolutely fascinating to witness. But that one little warning can make all the difference in some people's lives. Like some guy chained his dog up outside and just left his dog outside. So police police officer thankfully went and rescued it before the oh. like it was drowning in the floodwaters. Oh. They got so high. When so, I was a TV when I was a TV news anchor, I would go and speak at schools. They would always ask me, "Where's a where's a hurricane come from? Where's a tornado come from?" I'm like, you know, I'm the news guy, right? But every little kid, six, seven, eight, ten years old, wanted to know about the weather. So you're right. We're all interested and in, and in sort of like you know, uh, enthralled by what's happening by Mother Nature, and everybody has this question, how? So it doesn't matter if you've got death and destruction. We hope there isn't death and destruction. If it's pretty wild weather, people want to see it. So I'm surprised. that I'm glad you guys are doing it for sure. Go and check out everything she does on The Daily Caller, plus on Newsmax, and of course here at least once a week. It's K-Smythe, K-A-Y-S-M-Y-T-H-E dot com. K, appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you, Joe. You're the best. All right, we're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. I always appreciate Kay coming on, and I always appreciate you hanging out and uh, checking out the Joe Pag Show. Another big show for you tomorrow. I think we've got three interviews tomorrow. Simona's going to be back on, just back from Italy, where they've got that influx of illegal aliens coming in. We've got her. We've got a couple of other big interviews tomorrow as well. Make sure you stick around. Dinesh D'Souza will be on, and, uh, and much more. For Polo, for Sam, for Carrie, I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye. This is the Joe Pag Show.